Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 92, week 92, volume 92, number fucking 92. How you going guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Andrew from Evergreen Terrace and that will be coming up later in the show. So let's start things off with our album of the week and our single of the week and album of the week is a bit of a double one for this week. We start off with the new album from Stray From The Path which is called Internal Atomics. It's out now on UNFD. Wow, Stray From The Path never disappoint, never ever disappoint. It's thick, chunky, hard-hitting, It is a slaughter to the senses. It is phenomenal. Outstanding work from Drew and the boys. And like I said, there was never a doubt this was going to be a great album. And I'm stoked it is. Make sure you get your ear holes around that album. It's called Internal Atomics. And also while you're at it, if you haven't heard our chat with Drew, that was on episode 37. So listen to the album, and then when you've done that, deep dive into that chat with Drew. The other album of the week comes from Counterparts, and it's called Nothing Left to Love, and it's out now on Pure Noise Records. Counterparts are one of those bands that you just know you can rely on. When I say there's nothing revolutionary or evolutionary in this album, I don't mean that in a negative. Counterparts know what they do, and boy oh boy do they do it well. Phenomenal, outstanding melodic hardcore, so much passion, so much energy, so much anger. Make sure you dive into Counterparts' new album this week. As I said, it's titled Nothing Left to Love. You will not be disappointed. So that leads us into the single of the week, and this week was a bit of a quiet week, but we did get a new track from Amua. The track is called Pig's Ear. It's out now on Sharp Tone Records, and it's what you want. It's abrasive, it's loud, and this track is just ready for the mosh pit to open. I'm stoked on this. I'm also stoked that this possibly means there's a new album in the works. I think next year we will see something from Frankie and the boys. So our single of the week is Pig's Ear. It's by Amua. Make sure you scope that out. And also, if you haven't yet heard our chat with Frankie, that was episode 56. So go for a dive into our chat with Frankie. Next thing I want to get into at the start of the show is a bit of a shout out to a couple of recent listeners who've reached out and chatted to me over Instagram and Facebook. They are Ed and Curtis. Ed discovered us around last week's episode, which is John of Dead to Fall. He's been deep diving into it. And thank you, Ed, for getting in touch. Stoked you enjoy the show and hope you enjoy not only the previous interviews and chats we've had, but I hope you enjoy everything that's on the way. As I said, the other guy was Curtis. Big shout out to Curtis for getting in touch. He discovered us through episode 90, which was Chris from Sect. Thank you for getting in touch, Curtis. Pumped that you discovered us and also that you're enjoying what we're doing. Both of those guys, Ed and Curtis, much love, much respect, much appreciated, guys. Stick with us. Big things on the way. And the last thing we've got to do at the start of the show is remind you guys, give us a rating and a review, whether that's on iTunes podcasts, whether that's through our Facebook page, whether it's on whatever service and provider you listen to this podcast. 
like it, download it, and give us a rating and review. The other thing I need to remind you, which is really, really important, and I say it every week, and I know it sounds like I'm banging on here, but it is important, which is share the podcast. Share, 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 spread the word. Whatever it is that you got to do that helps this show grow is invaluable. So tell someone that you know likes heavy music about the Mosh Zone podcast. Share it on your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, whatever it is. We see it. It goes noticed and we appreciate everyone that shares it and spreads the word about the show. Enough of the ramblings for the start of the show. Let's kick into the part of the show we're all tuned into for. This week's guest is Andrew from Evergreen Terrace. First thing I gotta say, thank you so very, very much, Andrew, for taking some time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Evergreen Terrace are one of those bands that everyone knows, and if they don't know, this chat is a chance for you to really discover who they are. Andrew was really insightful, very relaxed. It was a great conversation. We got to discuss everything about him, everything about the band, and some other things along the way. That chat with Andrew is coming up now. So, usually start with... You know, not necessarily a heavy band, but do you remember a musician or an artist that opened your world to music being a thing as a child or a youngin? Oh, man. So I'm 39, mm-hmm. and um, I would I would definitely, man, not to sound so cliche, I would definitely have to be like, like Nirvana. Nirvana was probably one of the first, like, heavier bands mm. uh especially like songs on uh you know like territorial pissing is just like oh my goodness like mm. you know because like before i got into you know like 90s alternative uh music my family listened to country music listening mm. being from the south and that was, you just listen to whatever your mom listens to and then when you get to a certain age you're like oh branching out into things that you want to listen to on your own of course being a child of the 90s it was just kind of fell naturally into you know alternative music and nirvana was probably one of the first bands i remember listening to bleach and then getting into you know nevermind and then in utero i just remember having a cd player listening to all those you know and just yes like and then getting into like oh this is great and then finding out like there's heavier faster music especially around that time and living close to the beach you know there was 90s punk mm-hmm. going on uh especially around with the surf culture like no effects and pennywise and then offspring um i remember i don't think that they can be so associated with um you know, surf punk, but Green Day, Dookie, like, came out. That was, like, you know, everybody started getting into it. So got into it that way. And then, you know, a natural progression would be, like, oh, what's heavier, what's faster, getting into, like, sick of it all. And there was a time, you know, Epitaph was such a big, yeah. you know, like, record label at the time. And so they actually signed you know, all, all your favorite bands were on Epitaph. I even think like no effects was on Epitaph at one time. I think they were. Yeah. 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 And, and then, you know, I was a big no effects fan. 
and then um, listening to Agnostic Front on Epitaph. They're like one of their records, a couple of their records were on there. And I was like, oh, this band is awesome. And then going to this show at like 16 and like this local bar here. And I was like, this is insane. This is heavy. This is dangerous. This is like, you know, crazy. It's more underground. And then getting into Agnostic Front um, just by default because of like what other bands are on Epitaph and what other bands are like around. And so getting into like heavier music through the heavy music that I was listening to. And I was from there, you know, listening to, um, I don't know, started getting into hardcore and like, let's like, oh, there's even, even heavier music. Yeah. So yeah, cause uh, I'm, I'm nearly 37. So I, I'm, I know exactly the kind of time you're talking about as well, because a lot of it was self-discovery. Yeah, there wasn't the internet. Yeah. It was liner notes and magazines and tour posters was yeah. where you ran from. Um, yeah. What about, you know, it's quite a step from the alternative to the hardcore or, you know, the hardcore yeah. punk. What brought you into the aggressive side of music? Like what drew you into that heavier side? Well, I had a, I had a really close friend uh, that I would be hanging out with a lot and he was really into like just uh, like that New York style hardcore. So he was really into Agnostic Front. He was really into uh, Madball. And then he was like, oh, he's like, you should check out Youth of the Day. You should check out like these other like hardcore bands that I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to them. And so he like introduced me to a lot of things. And I wasn't like a big fan of the youth crew kind of uh, mm. or like faster, like, like of how like Youth of the Day would be. But then I was like, I'm I'm into it. But then like we started listening to um, Boy Sets Fire and Snapcase, and like they were really big in the early like or late uh, like '90s and like early 2000s. And then I just really kind of had a very like the, what they talked about and like how like the music, the progression of the music, and like just really like, spoke to me. And especially Boy Sets Fire was one of our one of my biggest influences. And you can see that in Evergreen, of uh, early Evergreen, like Boy Sets Fire. And so we kind of were like, all right. And then Poison the Well, opposite of December, Oof. just kind of like changed everything for like everybody. Like like that was Metalcore. Yeah. So like we just kind of like decided to wanna be like a metalcore band and do that. Uh everybody who was in the band was in different styles of bands like i was in like a punk band and then uh craig was in like a indie rock band josh was in a, like a like a punk band and we just kind of all came together and was like let's do like this style of band boy sets fire even like refuse the shape of pink punk to come was like i mean they called it it was like that album was like literally like oh you you called the way that punk is going to be for the next 20 years and so we we decided well, we wanted to have a band that sounded a lot like that and so without without going too far forward to what you do now because some people will get to it but at the time in school was music a career thing that you thought about doing because you forward after finishing school you forward a few years and you guys are a touring band you're doing all this stuff recording albums where were yeah. you at and in the end of high school was music your only thing you were invested in 
Yeah, I I think so. Like, um, I, I not like speaking for everybody else, but um, we, especially me, that coming from like a, a background that kind of like we like I came from, where I just didn't have any kind of. I, I didn't think that going into college was something that I wanted to do. I didn't think of any kind of future of planning ahead and being like, well, I guess I'm going to be a doctor or a lawyer. As like, I really like music. And we started this band and I was 19. Josh was 16. And um, the drummer that, Chris Brown, that was like kind of really started the band. He, I think he was like probably 20 and we've all had been in other bands and we were just like, let's just see how far we can, we can take it. Like we had no ambitions of being like, well, we want to make a career out of it. And we just were like, let's just, we let's, let's, let's see what kind of music we can put out and then let's go on tour and touring was kind of just eye-opening. Like, oh, we can go anywhere in the world if we wanted to. All we have to do is write music. And like, yeah, okay, we'll just write music, and then we can go anywhere, anywhere in the world, you know? <laughs> yeah. Not to say that that was the means to the end, but, yeah, it was just kind of like, why not? Why not be on the fringes of society and you know, like not have to go to college, not have to, you know, follow in the like footsteps of like what society says you have to do is go and make music, play shows, tour around the world and, and have fun. Yeah. And it seemed like you guys, you know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you had the demo and then I think there was a split before um, this one, this bad boy came out. And yeah. There's like there was a demo before, um, yeah, losing all hope, mm -hmm. and then losing all hope came out, and I, yeah, then we had a split with a band from Tallahassee, Florida, One Fifth. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah, and then and then I think Burn Alive by Time came out, or yes. it was Burn Alive by Time, and then the split. But yeah. So in those, you know, before losing all hope, you know, in that period, are you guys? Um, gaining any traction you know a shows becoming easier for you to do or are you guys really you know road warriors working at it to build a reputation at that stage uh oh man um to me it felt like someone in the band would give you a different answer but for me i just felt like it was kind of let's just do what we're doing and then see i never really felt like like I don't know. I always felt amazed that there was like more and more people showing up at our shows. Um, kind of felt like uh, that there was never a plan for me of like, okay, let's just see how it was just the only plan was like, let's see how far we can take it. And I'm going to, you know, ride the, the ride for mm -hmm. as long as I, I could. Um, but other than like for, for, for a good, like, five years of being in the band, it was, it was kind of just like, Oh, we're, I just, I still considered us like maybe a local band, but like playing internationally. Um, 
I don't, I don't know. Like, uh, that's a weird question. I never really thought about it that way. And I still don't even think about it in a way of, sen- in a sense of being like, of like, okay, let's, let's be like a bigger band. Let's try to like, I just wanted to be, I wanted to be the best performer that I could be. And then I think the band wanted to be the best like musicians that they can be. And instead of just trying to be like, well, how, big can we get just like how good can we get and just and like progress through um you know what kind of music can we write and well i mean it, it kind of showed because that time we're talking about is early 2000s um without looking too much at the industry now i think that was a big peak um for heavy music yeah. um not just the style you guys play but just in general, there was the new metal going on, there was the metalcore coming out, and then there was, like, you know, melodic hardcore, if we want to call it, that you guys are doing. Um, it seemed like a lot of bands were going around. Did you find, and this is a bit of a difficult question if you don't look at things this way, but did you find um, it was easy with the, your performances and with the music you're producing to gain people's attention, or did you feel like you had to fight with all of this stuff going on to get people's attention. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I think like that both of those questions are, are correct. It, it was like easier because of how like big that scene was getting to, to get like more people coming to our shows, but there was always another band that was like bigger that had more, you know, people like, you know, you're obviously going to keep on opening up for like bigger acts and then like bands that were doing, you know, like you listen to like, you know, the like hot damn from every time I die, mm. we were just like, fuck shit. Like, all right. <laughs> like, and then we like, we were able to open up for every time I die in that hot damn like run. And we were just like, God, man, this is great. Like that. Oh, like these guys are doing fucking awesome and they would inspire us and it was just like looking at another band that would be like on another tier above us and be like oh that's just learning from from them so it was i um but as far as like looking at like shows like progressing we just i i think we just would look at it and just always be thankful like like if we would go do a headlining show if there's like 500 a thousand people at a headlining show that's in amazing and but if also if we play like a headlining show and there's like 30 people there they're and they're like super stoked we're just like oh this is amazing this is so fun it was so, yeah yeah no it, I, it, I, I know completely what you mean i mean it was also um i think you know you guys also had a you still do to this day you put on a show so it doesn't really matter what you're playing to the show yeah. will be remembered by who's in attendance. Yeah. And I think that, that was one of the things that we picked up early on was like, it's, it's, uh, I, I feel that we wanted to put on a show and play and not only like, uh, make sure that the audience and the people that came and paid for the show are having a good time. We wanted to have a good time mm. because like, what's the point of, of playing, music if you're not having a good time what like if you're feel like it's a job why don't you just go get a a normal job that's going to pay more and be more consistent 
but like if you're not having fun there's there's no point in doing it like i like you know we played many of shows with like 30 people and just being like we're gonna have the best time that we're gonna have and make sure that everybody in the audience is having a good time i don't want to ever like feel like i'm complaining about playing any Mm. size show or you know yeah so well i think i mean and, and i and i don't mean this in a negative way but you guys were a band that anyone that really paid attention to knew you were having fun you could see it in the live dvd or the dvd you guys released you could see it in some of the song titles um yeah. You're a band that were enjoying what you did, which I think also at that time of the industry was important because a lot of people were being very serious. It was very straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, we were just always like, yeah. we Having fun. We're having fun. We all like came from like, most of us came from broken families anyways. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of all like raised ourselves. And when we all found each other, we were like, I, we couldn't believe like how great of rapport we had. And so we just wanted to have like, we wanted to translate the time that we spent alone with each other, like in a van or practice or writing music. We wanted to be like, let's translate that to our shows. And hopefully people will see that the the hardcore scene isn't about like seriousness and it isn't about like, this band making as much money it's about kind of like a community and like having fun and just being at a show and forgetting i think like one of the biggest things that i feel that i want to translate when when i'm playing a playing a show is like i want people to be here and forget about the outside world for this this time that they're here with us like just like right here and now, because for me, like when I'm on stage, it's meditative. It's like, I don't think about anything else other than right here and right now. And I, I want that to translate to the crowd. And I don't want anybody else out there to be like, oh man, like, do I have this report due? Do I have to pay this bill? I just want them to be here and now with us. And I think that's kind of my biggest point of what I want to get across is like let's let's all have fun let's all get energy out let's just forget about the world for the at least this 60 minutes that we're playing um and I think that's been I recognize that like a few years back but I think that's always been a part of like what Evergreen has been trying to put across from the beginning is just like hey like we've all come from either broken homes or like something um most of us have and like we just we're just here to like be outside of society and be like and say fuck you this is our world let's have fun in this world for at least the few hours that we're here so i mean how do you feel nowadays you know does it annoy you when you see the phone people on their phones because uh, do you feel those people are actually in the show in the moment or do you think they're kind of paying too much attention to their phone. It's quite a weird thing nowadays. Uh, uh, if I'm on stage and I see somebody on the mm. phone, nah, I don't even know. I never even notice. Uh, really? Not even if they're holding it up, filming it the whole time? That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Well, at least, they, at least they care about the performance enough to want to capture it. So that's a positive. Yeah, they want to they capture it. And plus also there's like that kind of thought of like, 
if you're gonna post that on Instagram, go right ahead. Thank you yes. for thank you for the promotion. <laughs> I appreciate that. At least hashtag it right. <laughs> yeah. At Evergreen Terrace official. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Maybe someone will see it, will like it, comes in the next show. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Now I want to go back to um, one of my all-time favorites, "Buried Alive by Time." Um, yeah. How'd the link up with? Um, eulogy records come about at the time were you a band that were hunting around for labels or did they approach you yeah so we had we got we got signed to uh, a label that was out of uh valdosta georgia indianola and we were we were starting to get a lot of a lot of traction and like i guess getting bigger and there was we were like okay we can't be on this small label and get to maybe uh, like more like we just wanted to play shows and we couldn't like get bigger shows and get on bigger tours by being on Indianola. And so we were like, okay, let's, let's, let's try to be a bigger band. And we were shopping around and I, I guess um, we were trying to shop to victory records. Thank God we didn't sign to them. And then, <laughs> and also like a few years before we signed to Indianola, we were still like a Christian band Um uh, we were like all Christians at one time and in the Christian band, and we were like thinking about trying to sign the solid state records mm. and think I didn't sign them either. Um, but Indianola was like a local Florida, like label or not Indianola, uh, eulogy. And uh, they came to us and offered us a really good deal. And we didn't want to sign like, um, you know, like a 10 record label, you know, like mm. contract. And so they offered us, like, I think it was at that time, it was like, oh, here's four record late. You know, you can do four records with us. And we were like, okay, let's do that. Uh, and so, and they, they were already like, there's like a couple of bands that we were listening to a lot um, until the end was on Eulogy. And we loved them. Um, and so we just decided to, to sign with them. And it seemed like the right move. And they, plus they were also very flexible on anything that we wanted to do. They weren't like controlling of me like, Hey, why don't you add more singing? We need, or more breakdowns. They're just like, write the music that you want to write. So we decided to sign to eulogy because they were like, like the perfect label for us at that time. Well, they had to have been because you, you rolled out from buried alive by time to one that, you know, it's kind of cultish now, I think, with a lot of fans and writer's block. Um, yeah. They had to have been, you know, it, without speaking ill of any other labels, um, a lot of labels would have said, no, 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 let's not let's not do a covers album. Um, there probably would have yeah. been a lot of stonewalling. Um, to, to read the back of it, to quote, um, it says, yeah, we know this isn't our new album. This is just a bunch of covers that we uh, suckered Eulogy into putting out. Hope you enjoy them as much as we do. Roll deep. Um, bit of background, if we can. Who came up with the idea? Did you think it was going to get shot down? Was it a joke concept? Um, and... You know, did you get? Did you have to get clearance from the bands because there are some fucking big songs on here? Yeah, I I think like as far as the bands go, there's some some legal shit that mm. you would have to pay a certain amount of money 
of royalties to those bands. I, I think, I don't know what the, like, It'd be legal, something. but yeah. the label took care of all that. Oh. Uh, so it wasn't like we're, yeah, they had to like get permission to put those out and then give them like a certain percentage through something. I don't know. I don't, I really don't know. But as far as like coming out with that, we were like literally like touring, you know, nine months out of the year at that time. And we hadn't had time to, sit down and write a new record yet because we were just touring so much and we had put out um a cover you know uh, sunday bloody sunday that was on uh losing all hope mm. and we just like doing covers and so we were just like let's just do a cover record and we were like let's just name it writer writer's block because not that we had writer's block but kind of did because of our touring schedule and uh it was like everybody was like oh you get two songs to choose whatever songs you want to like cover uh and so everybody got two songs and and eulogy was actually pretty pretty stoked on the idea they're like let's let's do it and yeah it ended up being like a really fun album yeah I'm going to try and... I'm looking at track listings. All right, I'm going to try and guess your two. Um, Zero by Smashing Pumpkins. That's not mine. Oh. I don't know. Zero. I think that was Josh. I think Josh ended up having like four. Because oh. I think I, I... I Okay, I'll tell you my two. I did the... Um, I remember the name of the song. But I did... Uh, I wanted to do Sloop John B by the Beach Boys, and Craig was like, we're, we're not doing Sloop John B by the Beach Boys. And I was like, oh, <laughs> man. And, and then I was like, okay, I want this Sponge song. And he's oh. like, okay, we can do the Sponge song. Which <laughs> no one fuck listens to Sponge anymore. So, yeah. That was plow, Plowed or Plowed? Oh, Plow. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that I maybe... I suggested doing, um, yeah, Dying Degree. Oh, yeah, no effects. That which is, is, which is great. And we like we were definitely 100% inspired by Shahalud's Linoleum. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it was so we were, like heard like Shahalud do Linoleum, and you know, me and Josh were like huge no effects fans, and we we're like, okay, we're gonna do a no effects song to like be like, hey. Thanks, Shalud, for doing Linoleum. You did one of the best no effects songs. We're gonna do this one that's a little less known, but mm. we're gonna we're gonna fucking rip it. Yeah, it's uh, that whole um, that whole thing's just outstanding. And I think what's great, um, I don't know if it's on the streaming services, but if anyone has the physical, like myself, you know, I'm a physical lover and fan. There's also that amazing SpongeBob hidden track. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, I wish we had more time in the studio to do funner, fun things like that. That was just spur of the moment kind of fun oh, things. It, it works, but that—that's also a sign of the times where you could put a hidden track on a CD because people would yeah. discover it. Um, you don't yeah. have it nowadays. You can't. If you put a song like that on Spotify, I don't think a lot of people are going to hang around for it. Yeah, no, yeah, no one's going to listen. Hidden track. Okay. <laughs> SpongeBob. And whatever. What I, uh, 
Deadpool? No, that's that's a comic book character. Drowning pool. Drowning yeah. pool. Yeah. What? Let the body sit the Yeah. <laughs> that was just fun shit. We, yeah. Just having fun. Now, did that um release um do a lot of things for you guys with tours? Because I wanted to ask about tours. You know, you mentioned everyone was from a bit of a fractured background or broken homes. Um, so it's a kind of a two part. What's it like for people that haven't done it? Um, having to be stuck in a van or a little shitty boxed, you know, unit with a couple of guys touring. Um, yeah. Do you feel like, it, is it ever mundane? Does it take something to adjust to? I think so. I, I mean, especially when you, when you, if you start young, I think it, it, the, the adjustment comes naturally. I don't think that any person who is going to be starting a band in their late twenties and then early thirties or even late thirties would like to go and, you know, be, go hop in a van after they're very comfortable. But, you know, you start at a, like at an age of like, like yeah, 19 and Josh being 16, you just kind of like, just, it's, it's like, what's natural. I don't know. It's like, yeah, I don't know. You're more, it's easier when you're at that age to, to do something like that. And then if you do it for, you know, 10 years on, you just get used to it. So it's just kind of becomes like a natural thing. Um, and then as far as like, like hanging out. Yeah. But I mean, you be like the people that you go on tour with, like either you become somewhat, um, envious of somebody who's like oh they're writing all the riffs they're they're making all the music or you just think of them as like your brothers and you're like oh these these guys are like and of course there's always been you know like as you would fight with any kind of family member or any kind of person that you're around for so long you have like things but they just end up becoming your family and you just kind of that's how I always looked at it. I was like, oh, this is just something that we've been doing for so long. It's just comfortable now to get into a band with these people and, and ride around, you know. It's, do you think it takes do you think it takes a certain kind of person to do it though also? Because a lot of people they hear about people saying, I just can't do the touring life anymore. So it must also take that kind of person that's willing to sacrifice because that's the other part of it it's it's not that you're just with the same people but you also are sacrificing um a lot of the things that the rest of us take for advantage which is you know being able to go to birthday parties being able to go to weddings things like this the sacrifices take you have to be you know made to take those sacrifices yeah you you have to want to either like choose like if you wanted to be in a in a band that could be successful, you have to make those sacrifices and and know that you're going to miss birthday parties. You're all your friends are going to, you know, break up with their significant others and have new people come in their life. And some people are going to move away without you even like realizing because you're out on tour. There's those things that, like, yeah, that's going to happen when you're on tour, and you're going to miss out on all that, that social 
networking that you've already done, but that's that comes with it. That's the sacrifice that you have to make in order to be like a successful band. There's um, there's people that ask like questions are you know like oh how was Evergreen able to be like touring so much? And I I think the the um, what I the the answer that I always give them is like you you just have to do it. You like just go on tour, like mm-hmm. book shows. And, and if like we had to do like first few years without a booking agency and just be like, we're going to book these tours ourselves and we're going to go and do it because this is something that we wanted to do. And you, I, I, the, the world is so much bigger than your own like social network and not to say, not to take anything away from like your friends and family, but if that's something that you want to do, you have to realize that you can't be at home all the time. If you want it, you can't have a successful band without, you know, like being like, I'm not going to be there for my friend's birthday. I'm not going to be there for their wedding. I'm going to go, I'm going to be, I'm sorry, I'm going to be on stage playing the warp tour or mm. you know like something like that which is which is an incredible you know thing in of itself but i think that's just something that you would have to realize like are you willing to give up those things to do the to do that in a band and um i think that a lot of people don't really realize that mm. like yeah just yeah just go just go play shows just play shows it is and, and i think also the other thing is you grow up quick you know, you, you're in that environment doing what you're doing. You are growing up quicker. Um, not to say you don't yeah. grow up quick when you're at home, but the things that you're going through, the things that you're experiencing, witnessing everything, it helps you grow up quicker as well. And um, also, it's quite an advantage seeing the world. I mean, you're going yeah. around the world doing something you love, but there is the negatives that you've had to put behind, but it makes you grow up and you get to say, I've been to Paris, I've been to New Zealand, all of this. Kind yeah. Of stuff. It's yeah, for sure. Uh, like I was like saying before, uh, we kind of started off as a Christian band and us touring and like seeing the world for me personally, I can't speak for anybody else. That really opened up my eyes to, um, seeing the world as like like everybody is in a sense kind of like the same they want to have a release they want to go to a show and forget about the world for a while and to me it was like it didn't matter like what their religion was but or anything background they just want to come and have the same you know experiences as everybody else in the world which was just kind of forget about life for a while and for me that was kind of a for me that was a like an eye-opening experience to and one of the things that was like got me out of religion a whole lot was like oh everybody everybody seems to be the same everybody's like this human being that just wants to forget about life and if it, it felt like yeah like that was like one of the first things, first steps of getting out of religion was like noticing like everybody's kind of, kind of the same all over the world and going literally like, you know, literally all over the world 
and just realizing that even like as as a distant culture as like maybe people in Japan would be it was just like oh they want to come and have fun they want to also take care of their own people and you know like just uh, people that they love I should say yeah yeah so that's a, a, one, you know, you mentioned it a couple of times, and I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't. I don't think I ever heard that you guys, you know, looking back on the original artwork, I could maybe see why you were a Christian band on yeah. uh, Losing All Hope is Freedom. But, wow, I mean, I that's that's an interesting tidbit that I never knew. Um, was that... Was it, you've also mentioned about the eulogy and the decision you weren't going to be you weren't Christian anymore. Was that something the whole band agreed on? Was it also something you were worried about being pigeonholed? Because that time in the industry, Christian bands were everywhere. It was like, oh, here's yeah. another one. Here's another one. Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was. Um, yeah, we like. Um, yeah, so when losing all hope is freedom came out, I think that we were like a solid like Christian band, and we were like, oh, we are. We're going to be like this band that like Norma Jean was just starting off like around that time and Stretch Armstrong, who was like a big influence in our, in our like circle who actually helped us, like took us on tours, booked shows for us in South Carolina. Um, Like we, but we decided that um, we didn't want to be pigeonholed into that community and we wanted to be able to make sure that we were able to branch out. That was one of our decisions on sign, signing the eulogy. And I think that when we signed the eulogy, our, our decision was we don't want to be like pigeonholed in the Christian band. And I think like a few of us were still like kind of like questioning our faith, but still Christians. And then as like time progressed, like we just kind of like were thinking about Christianity and uh, organized religion as a whole. And for me, it was like, I, I, I don't, I can't subscribe to this religion anymore. Um, and it just kind of like helped that we weren't like a Christian band, that we didn't have to stick by that label. Hmm. Uh, I'm glad that we got out of that label, like in the beginning. Our whole fan base was like, you know, based around like going to, I don't know, like, Christian venues and like having that kind of stigma around us when I was like, yeah, I'm going to want to drink. I'm going to want to do drugs and I don't want to let down some kid. So I'm going to go ahead and say, Hey, I'm not a Christian. I'm going to drink. I'm going to do drugs. I'm going to have, I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to believe in something that I can't believe in anymore. And I feel like there's a lot of bands that were able to make a lot of money you know, getting into that scene and then once, but they had taken the same path that I had taken and seen the world and was like, I don't see the world through the eyes of a Christian living in like one small town who has like such a narrow point of view. And, but yet they have to still act a certain way. I just never wanted to act, you know, I never wanted to be like an actor in like, Mm say like this is who i am because of the label that i'm on or whatever yeah so that's why i think eulogy was such a really good stepping stone for us is because we were able to be whoever we wanted to be on that label 
And well, thank- thankfully, you also ditched the label before the band really started gaining a name because yeah. that would have been harder. Like if you'd done it around sincerity is an easy disguise. Oh, the it would have been really difficult for you guys. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. Now that that album I just mentioned, Sincerity is an easy disguise in this business, which is a fucking mouthful of a title. Yeah. Um I've always wanted to know that is clearly that title. What was going on behind that title? Is that about bands? Is that about labels? What's uh, that title of that album? Yeah. A little bit of both, for sure. The title comes from a movie called Death to Smoochie, and it's just Edward Norton movie where he plays a a, a Barney the Dinosaur kind of character. Um, mm. yeah, you got to look it up, Death to Smoochie, and it's all about you know children's television shows. And there was just a, a line in the movie where he's like, yeah, sincerity is the easy disguise in this business. And I, as you know, like we take a lot of names from yes. pop culture. And Jason, our bass player, was like, we should name that record this because it applies to what we notice with like the scene and labels. And it's just like, yeah, I'm very sincere about like this hardcore community being here. But there was a lot of people who would you know, just take your money and, or just use you up until you're, you're, you know, not worth anything anymore. Like just want to be like, yeah, you're the, you're the greatest band right now, but right now you're the greatest band. So let me use you and like suck up to you until you're not anything anymore. And then we'll just throw you by the wayside. So it was like, yeah, it is, it is, it, sincerity and in any kind of like industry it's just like i'm gonna be sincere to you and just not give a fuck when you're when you need when you need a helping hand and you know like throw you a bone but no one gives a fuck about you right now they're not gonna care yes sharks it's a very shark industry and i think that's something that some some people may maybe they they know exists, but maybe they're not really aware exists. Yeah, um, and especially during that time. Um, let's kick on to the next one, which was a metal blade signing. Yeah, so how the hell does Evergreen Terrace get onto Metal Blade for the start, which was Wolf Biker? Yeah, so we we were playing um, playing a lot of shows, and we did even like when we were. Uh, when we were like a like a Christian band with quotes, um, we played this uh, festival called Cornerstone, and uh, we yep. had played with a band called Azalea Dying, and mm-hmm. they're first like starting out, um, and we stayed in a dorm outside of this festival. And they had the same dorm room as us. And so we, we met them, became friends with them, uh, especially Tim. And we were like, we had met them years ago. They came through Jacksonville. They stayed with us there. And we were just kind of becoming friends. We played San Diego. They like came out to the show and we went out to eat with them. We just started having like a really good rapport and, uh, and Tim and Azalea Dying was started getting 
massive, like super massive. And Tim was, um, and as the dying was on, um, you know, metal blade and, uh, Tim was, had like a big, uh, part to do with, uh, evergreen getting signed. He like talked to, uh, the guys from metal blade and helped us get signed to that. And we, there was like, uh, our booking agent and, um, and Tim and our manager at the time was just like, Hey, Evergreen is going to die on eulogy. Like we were not going to be able to progress to another level if we were still going to be on eulogy. And, uh, and Tim helped facilitate that, um, move. Yeah. Transfer. He was the one that like spoke for us. He helped us like get signed to metal blade and, basically was the broker of the deal. And we, wow. uh, we were more than excited to be signed to metal blade. And that was probably one of the most like, uh, yeah, it was like super, very exciting for all of us to be signed to metal blade. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. Um, a- it was, like unbelievable that he was able to help us. Yeah. Such a big label. When you look across, um, you know, the heavy labels, there's probably uh, a few that spring to mind, and Metal Blade is always one of the first that spring to mind. Um, with that, does there come, you know, does the label put pressure on you, or do you feel like, okay, this is a thing that some people may know, do you feel like the label forgets about you? Because you did two releases. Um, yeah. And to be honest... If you weren't into Evergreen, I don't think you would have known they were on Metal Blade. Yeah, I I, I think I yeah because we did we didn't really fit their no roster. not really no um, uh, yeah it it was uh I think they I think they wanted to branch out to a more uh like broader audience instead of just being like in that metal and I think that uh. You know, as they dying, I think they're they're metalcore, if you will. Mm. Um, but I think they wanted to branch out to more of our style, and then we signed to them, and they were very soaked on us. And but we we had to fight with them a lot about, especially naming the album, you know, Wolf Biker, which has no meaning whatsoever. We were driving up to, you know, New England Metal Fest, and we saw bikers. And then we were talking about wolves and bikers and we we're like, let's name the next record wolf biker. And we all were like, we're naming the next record wolf biker. And then it took on a whole new meaning in itself. But like, we were like, we're, we want to name this. We want, and then we wanted to write the record the way that we wanted to write it. And I don't know how I can't speak for anybody who like wrote music on the, on the record, but I, I, my memory was like they might have wanted something a little different, but you know they were actually kind of ended up being pretty cool about the way the record ended up. They got uh, you know the producer that we wanted it and uh, and the person that wanted to mix it, and we were like let's let's get this guy, and so they ended up being pretty cool about the record, yeah. And uh, and then we came out with Almost Home after that, and uh, and then things started kind of falling apart for Evergreen a little bit. You mentioned it there, the, the, everything started to fall apart. Um, well, I, I wouldn't say fall apart, but it, it, well, it started to get like difficult because, um, 
I started getting a little like, I think, I don't know. We, we, we maybe have, in, in my eyes, I think we were starting to get a little confused on like, like where do we like, how big do we want to try to get versus like how, like, like much of like, do we want to put into it? Like we were like getting great tour offers and we were going on, on tour with like a, like huge bands and, and it just kind of got to maybe like a little bit more, I don't know, like just so, I don't, it, it just, it started to become a thing where it was like starting to become like a business instead of like doing something for fun, which is, and at that time I wish that I was able to, like realize that, but it just started, I, I think like starting to become like way too much. Like we had been a band for, you know, 10 years at a time and we had toured, you know, most of that time in, in that, in that 10 years. And I think I was starting to wear on me. Um, so maybe that's where it started kind of falling apart. We were just kind of tired and, and then like the machine needed to keep rolling. And I was like, Man, I don't know how how much more I can take of this. Yeah, yeah. Well, it did. Sound, it, you know, as a you know passionate follower of the band, it did feel like yeah everything went a bit quiet. Not necessarily quiet, but yeah, kind of stagnated a bit. It took a while for Dead Horses to come out. Yeah, change a label. Um, but then Dead Horses came out, but then nothing really happened. Yeah. Um, that was that was strange because I think that is another underrated album. I think that's a really good album. Yeah, Dead Horses is is my favorite Evergreen mm. album, and uh, Craig had wrote, written most of that album, um, and it it's one of my favorites. It was uh, from a big transition because while we were still doing touring for Almost Home, Josh left the band and joined Stick to Your Guns, which is a great, you know, great band. Uh, and I think that we are all like really happy. And I think that we realized that maybe like, like Josh wanted to progress more than what we were able to do. And he's mm. gone on and done great things with Stick to Your Guns. And, and once Josh left, I think that we had a, a period of being like, okay, let's take some time off. Let's all recuperate. Um, and we decided like, we're, we don't want the band to end just because this big part of our band who has been in the band from the beginning had left. And we, we decided that our bass player, Alex was going to move to guitar. Um, Jason had left the band a couple years before that. And we were like, let's, let's ask Jason to rejoin the band. And so we kind of had like this resurgence of, of great, like, we want to do this. Um, but me personally, I was still in, in like, I've been doing it at that time. It would have been 15 years, you know, like I'm still not 15 years, like 12 years. I'm like still doing it. still like going on. And um, I just was kind of after Dead Horses came out, like we did a couple of tours with that. And then. Um, they had this tour in Europe that was going to be two months long and I couldn't do it. So, 
ended up doing that. And we were supposed to play Australia Soundwave. I think it was the last Soundwave. And then our yeah. drummer, our drummer Brad, he fell off a ladder, and we had to cancel. And um, after that, I was like, I, I'm just gonna quit the band. And so I quit for a, for a minute, and then we got back together recently. But uh, I think that, uh, but uh, like Dead Horses was one of my one of my favorite records that we did as a, a complete uh, as a new complete band. Yeah, I'm very happy with like the little lineup that we have now. So you know you quit, and I remember the the statement and saying you were going into nursing and yeah. you've been playing for a while. Uh, you quoted you quoted Lethal Weapon. I remember. Yeah, get too old for this shit. Yeah. Getting too old for this shit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that happens and obviously there's reasons for it and then you, you've kind of explained them, but where, what changes for you to come back? Like where, you know, what happens to suddenly say, you know what, I'm going to come back. I think I'm going to get back in. It, a lot of it had to do with just, you, I, I, I you missed it? Missed it. Yeah. You mm. can't go you can't be a teenager and start something as a teenager and do something into for so many years and then just be like oh, I'm I'm going to quit this forever and yeah I realized like short like shortly into like getting close to nursing school that I didn't want to be a nurse I didn't want to do that that's not for me I was living I think a life that I was trying to think that this was, this was, you know, I never lived a conventional life. This is the closest that I'm going to get to this conventional life. You know, having, having a fiance and having like, you know, something that was so normal just felt so odd to me that uh, normal with quotes, I guess, like it, it just wasn't, it wasn't me. And I, I, and, and having the taste of that and it, it felt, odd and awkward and um what i really wanted to do was just be in the band again and play shows and i, and I don't think we've ever really uh have like done as much as we've been doing prior to me quitting but we still want to continue to play shows and make music and i think that's everybody's on that kind of level of just being like let's see as much as we can do you know, around our normal lives, but yeah, that's just, it's just not for me, like any kind of like normal, normal. life. Yeah. Just, yeah. But you guys, you still are playing shows, you know, you see that you guys pop to Europe for, you know, one week, two week, three yeah. week tours, you know, you're still doing weekends or shows around America. Um, clearly is still enough, um, you're doing enough to still be out there, but you're not doing so much that you're going to get over it again. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would, I would love to go back on tour again, but, um, for full time, I get, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. I would, I would like to, but I don't know. I think we were like at a, at a, an established point in our like band that we, we can go and do like, tours and and like show one-offs and shows every once in a while and also um you know brad our drummer has two kids craig has two kids you know they have jobs everybody has jobs not to make an excuse of not making money but like they really love 
their life at home and to make that balance happen and still be able to play shows, which is, is amazing to me. I, I'm, I'm very happy that they still want to do it and, and that they're capable of doing it. So I feel, I feel great. Yeah. What about uh, new music? Because it's, I think it was around last year. Yeah. Last year. You guys have been occasional, not much, but there's the occasional tease of like new materials on the way, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, I know it takes time, but. It's just a matter of getting into the studio. I think it's written. It's just, Mm -hmm. we just need to get into the studio and, and record it. That's all. We just never have time. I think that we're like very, I wouldn't say lazy, but we're just very Florida about it. Just kind of like, eh, we'll get around to it. We'll do it. We'll get to it. Don't worry about it. We'll get to it. We're going to get to it. I promise. We're going to have music out. I promise. It's written. It's great. Really nice. I love it. I think that's I think that's it's great. Gotta record it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is it's all ready to go. It's been ready for probably like a year and a half and you're all like, Yeah, we'll do it next week. Next week. Yeah, yeah we'll do it next yeah. month. Oh, we we even like before we went to Europe, we were like we had studio time and something just went awry. We we're like, uh, it's okay. We'll we'll get to it. <laughs> well we're we'll we'll be fine. We'll get we'll get to it. We're gonna get with- with the um, with a band being a band now, I I need to see what, how you feel about it. As you know, you and I remember the time of yeah, you know, it was about having CD sales or it was about making physical copies. And yeah. now for a band, it's all about the streaming numbers, and you don't need to make physical copies. Um, for a band in your position now. Um, who's experienced in the game? It's a polite way of saying you're old. Um, yeah. Is Thank you. yes, but very, very good looking. Um, what do you think of the industry? Do you think it's something that a band can still utilize and you know work well? And I hate the cliche, but make money. Or do you think it's still learning what to do? It's a big question. It's yeah. Um, it's yeah. a million dollar question. Like learning from the industry. Well, more, more, more is the industry trying to figure itself out because I think that's one of the things. I think the industry's not. It's almost figured itself out, but it's still not sure. And what I mean by that is everyone streams now, but then bands are being smart about their physicals. They're not making CDs. They're doing special vinyl runs and things. Yeah, like that. I think that. I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's nice to see that. Uh, that Spotify and streaming has taken so much power away from labels. Like that's, I, I feel like that's good. And it has put in, it has put a lot of um, power into the band because that means that the band itself has to maybe work a little bit like harder and like maybe put on a better show instead of just being like, Oh, we sold this many units. We can just show up to a show act like rock stars, play like shit, and go go to the next show. They have to put in more effort. They have to put in, you know, like maybe have, um, you know, like put on a really good live show in order to sell what, you know, like that vinyl at the show or that, you know, T-shirt at the show because that's the only way bands are making money these days 
is guarantees from a show. And Spotify has brought, like, streaming has brought, you know, music to a broader audience. It's easier to find new music now because of that, which means that live shows, when your favorite band comes around, that people are going to go to that. So it's it's a good thing. Um, and also, but like, I don't, I don't think bands were making money off of CD sales anyways, like not like anything. So it, it, I believe that it's all beneficial for, for a band in general, just because it's like, they're going to listen to your music and discover you through some other, like, let's say if you're listening to like a knock loose, you know, playlist on Spotify and you're going to find another band that you never even heard of. Like, and you love that band and then you realize they're playing your hometown. You're like, I'm going to go to that show and you give them money. They're going to get that guarantee. And then you might even buy a t-shirt and they're going to make more money than what they're going to have than that two cents that they're going to make from their unit that they got sold. And then it's way better. But also, now I'm sure I have no idea what the industry is doing. Really, honestly, I'm just fucking don't even care. But like, but now I'm sure it's like you can't be on this tour. You don't have twelve thousand listeners a day. Mm. You know, like some kind of shit like that. But whatever. I don't. I don't care. Like, other than that. But yeah. what about you with um? You know, your musical taste now. Do you see? You've seen evolutions in music from the nineties, two thousands. Um, I think music's still really exciting now, all the different brands of hardcore that are going on, different bands doing this and that. Um, are you just as excited listening to music in 2019 as you were in 1999? I don't know. I think that, No. I think that I, I, like, I'll discover a band, like, few and far between, but uh, I think, like, the, the yeah. I'm just so old. It's just into older music. <laughs> like, Why? What are you? What are you listening to nowadays? I don't even know, man. Uh, I'm trying to think of like the new. I really, really, really like the new Sights and Sounds record. <laughs> hey, Andrew of Comeback Kid, brother. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. so good. It's so so good. I like that. Other than that, I'll just keep on finding myself listening to the same. Same shit that I listened to when I was a kid. I mean, I'll, I'll just, I'll like, something will come along, like, 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 knock loose and be like, holy shit, this band is fucking awesome. And then I'll be like, this is great. This is great. But I, I don't know. I can't find my, I don't ever find myself like trying to discover new music. It's just, it finds me and I'll, I'll like it. If it, if it hits me and I'm like, this is great. But I think the, to answer your question, the new Sights and Sounds record is, is really good. <laughs> and uh, I, I do kind of agree, uh, the younger generation listening, which I know we, I have a lot of them, uh, quite a few thousands of them, um, the older you get, the more kind of uh, you like to repeat the music. Yeah, uh, oh, for it's sure. It's weird. It's weird. Um, I haven't really got much more before we wrap things up. Um I don't know if I want to touch this subject, but you mentioned his name, Tim Lambesis. Okay, so you, I've had a few people that, that know him on the show, but I've yet to ask anyone on the show 
and you kind of teed it up. You mentioned him and you've, you know, spent all that time with him and you knew him well. Um, it's real shitstorm online now. You, you're either anti it or you're pro it. Um, you can't really have an opinion either way. As someone who knew him, what's your take on the scenario and what do you think um, about him having a, another chance at a career? I, ah, man, that is a really that's difficult a really question. question. And I, I don't even know if I could be, uh, I don't know. Hey, uh, man, let me think about this for a second. Um, if the people who want to see Azalea dying with Tim, Tim Lambesis are very stoked. And then that was like sparking some kind of nostalgic feeling for them because Azalea dying for them was like a really good, great, great band for them. And then that made them feel some type of way of like alive inside when they heard their music. Um, I say, go for it, go to their shows. Um, but just know that he did what he did, you know? I have that understanding, and but at the same time, you know, like I, at least I, I, I'm not going to judge anybody for going to an Azalea Dying show. Um, and if they feel like this, like that, that just try to separate the artist from the art. And if they want to forgive Tim for doing that. That that's more power to them. I have no, you know, connections of like maybe not connections, but I just uh, I have no no comment <laughs> about mm. that really, other than no, what I just said. It's just no, kind that's of like, well said. Yeah, good, good. good. Mm. I'm happy if he if he can show himself to be a better person. I guess maybe like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you do that. Kind I don't of, know how you do that. I don't know. It's a touchy subject. Yeah, but you've you've answered it exactly how I, I thought you would, and um, thank you for even taking on that question because that was a that was the hardest question of the lot. Um, last thing we're gonna I'm gonna ask you before we look to wrap things up is we mentioned it earlier about pop culture references. We're gonna end on a bit of a lighter yeah. thing. Um, how do you you know is that something you guys come together with the pop culture references over the years or is it something that when you're putting the finishing touches on mixing and mastering because there's been romeo and juliet there's been simpsons i think there was a myspace reference that was the track new friend request i think um how does that all come about for you guys is that something that just slips into when the song's being written or does it come after the song's put together because i a lot of it has to do with like we'll we will remember like some quote or something and we'll be like well let's we're naming a song this and like new friend request just so happens to be like really a good song for the way that that you know like the title of the song has something to do with the you know the content of the song lyrically uh other than that though like it's usually just like oh like bulletproof tiger came from what did it come from? What's that? Oh. Kenny Powers? Yes, that was Kenny Powers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. we were just like, oh, that's an awesome quote. Let's just name that a song. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> I'm a bulletproof tiger. 
Like, okay. <laughs> and we'll just be like, okay, that's the name of the song. All right, yeah. And Lacuna <laughs> Inc. Lacuna, Lacuna Inc. from Dead Horses has something to do with, like, the content of the song. But it also, like, so it's a it's mix and match. It's just kind of like if something culturally, like, some saying, statement has to do with, like, the content that we want to write about, like, we'll name it that. And if it has nothing to do with it, actually, maybe it does. I don't know. Because <laughs> Joe Donnelly's Men Are Nihilist came from The Big Lebowski. And it, I was like, oh, this is, like, kind of like the nihilism of the scene. And I'll just write about the, that. And, and then we'll name it. Yeah, so I guess maybe we'll pick and choose. Sometimes we'll even, like, find a pop culture reference and then we'll just be like, that's a cool name of the song. Let's write something that relates to us with that pop culture reference as a song. And then, or we'll write a song and be like, this is a great pop culture reference for that song. So it's all, it's literally like. Either way. Either way. It goes all around. Yeah. I, don't know. I can't wait to hear the new pop culture references on the new album whenever that comes out. Yeah. I think we came up on the other day but i can't remember what it was called uh, it's really good too because it, it it inspires me lyrically if someone's like well let's name a song this and i'm like i'm gonna write a song about that like yeah <laughs> i think i even remember being at uh at some festival and just being like i was like these people don't even care about hardcore music <laughs> these men are nihilists and then like, no Donnie, these men are nihilists. I was like, we're gonna write a song called "No Donnie, These Men Are Nihilists," and then, that's where it came up. And then we already then we wrote this fucking heavy breakdown song and decided to call it that. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um. Um. Before we get into the last segment, um, I've got to say, can't wait for new music, man. Like, Me neither. I really can't either. Can't wait. I don't know. Like. Stop being, stop being, you know, so relaxed about things and get the fucking thing recorded, man. I know. Like, it's oh. it's just so easy to be so relaxed here. I live. In, <laughs> not only do I live, not only do we live at the beach in like a beach culture area. Craig in, lives in Riverside, and it's it's like twenty miles away from the beach. But still, it's very. We live in the south of America. We're just like. Yeah. Fucking mm. cares. <laughs> just do. We'll do. Oh. It. We'll do it. Don't worry about it. We'll do it. <laughs> um. Right. What we're gonna do is what I do to wrap every segment up, and that's called pick your poison. So we're just gonna have a bit of fun here. Okay. It's, um. It's kind of a quick fire round. All right. So I give I give you two options, and you pick your favorite of the two. Okay. Now. You don't have to justify your answer, but some of these people think they need to justify it because they're worried when people listen that why they pick that one over the other. So okay. we'll see as we go along. It's just a bit of fun. Um, some may be easy. Some may be hard. All right. Okay. Would you rather a pizza or a burger? Oh, pizza. Oh, that was easy. Yeah. Oh. I don't even eat meat. And like most fucking like, Hamburger, like baked hamburgers, they're all right, but I'd rather have a pizza than a hamburger. Okay, you can do anything, um, on a fucking pizza, <laughs> whatever you want. And would you, would you rather a soft, soft taco or a hard taco? Oh, 
I soft, soft taco. Mm. There are there have been times when I've craved like the crunchiness of a hard taco, but mm. soft tacos goes down easier. I'm not gonna. Cut, yeah. I'm not gonna cut my gums. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to have. I don't want. I don't want food that physically hurts me. <laughs> Well, that's why I'm not a fan of Toblerone. There's food that hurts me, like when it goes like coming out. I guess if it's like too spicy of a taco, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have some like you know something that might hurt a little bit later, but (laughs) ain't hurt in the mouth. But yeah, anyways, sorry. Yeah, I don't want anything to cut me when I'm eating. But I do like best answer. So I don't know. I like nachos. Yeah, but nachos. But nachos, you take hold of it. And yeah. you bite a bit off it. You're not putting it in your mouth and then it's going at weird angles into you. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I would nine times out of ten choose a soft taco. Flour okay. tortilla. And corn tortillas, like corn tortilla, like I, I, it, they always break apart. If you get a corn tortilla, you try to put it up, your just taco falls apart. <laughs> and then you just have like salad. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Um, would you rather smooth peanut butter or crunchy peanut butter? It depends on how high I am and how sweet it is. Like a crunchy peanut butter goes really good with an apple. But if I'm like really high, smooth peanut butter it tastes really great. But it's not really good for dry mouth. No. Neither horrible for dry mouth. Butter. No. I'm going to. I'm indifferent about it. I don't care. Okay. Either one. Okay. Uh, um, depends would on you how rather, butter. Would you rather coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. Oh, okay. Yeah. Easy. Yeah, Easy. coffee. Yeah. Simple. Um, do you prefer to cook at home or dine out? Mm, this one This one looks like it's breaking you. I do like cooking at home, and my girlfriend's a really good cook. Mm-hmm. But also, I do like going out. It depends on, I really, yeah, going, yeah, cooking at home. Okay. No, okay. going out. Oh. A little bit of both. It depends on how <laughs> I feel. Yeah. Usually, I'll, I'll usually will go out for a taco or pizza. So there's that. Yeah. Cooking at home. Okay. Um, I know the next one should be simple. Uh, do you prefer the beach or the snow? Oh, I am a fantastic skier. I can I can ski really really well, like. But I definitely prefer the beach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, cat or dog? I have a cat. Mm-hmm. Dogs are fucking stinky. The cats are annoying. <laughs> They're both fucking really annoying. I love them both. <laughs> I don't. I cat a cat. Okay. Hold on, real quick. My cat is literally just eating some string on the floor here. Oh my god. Yeah. What are you doing? Her name's Waffle. Yeah. A cat. Cats. Okay. Um, South Park or Simpsons? Oh, Simpsons. Oh, <laughs> but not to say that. Not like dissing South Park because they definitely are really good. But uh, in The Simpsons, the last, like, 10 years have been garbage. I would even say, like, 15 years have been pretty bad. There's some efforts in The Simpsons 
that have been made that are okay. And I haven't watched South Park in probably like seven years, but I would always have to say Simpsons. Sim- yeah, early Simpsons. You can't beat it. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, Terminator or Predator? Mm. Uh, Terminator one and two are mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Um. Predator one is a great movie. I wouldn't say that. Predator one and Terminator one. I think they're kind of on the same par. If I were to watch a movie, if someone was like, do you want to watch Predator or do you want to watch the first Terminator? I would go with Predator. But mm. but Terminator 2 Judgment Day, if they were like, you want to watch Terminator 2 Judgment Day or do you want to watch uh, Predator Part 2 with Danny Glover? I would go definitely 100% uh, yeah, Terminator 2. Even if they were like, you want to watch Terminator 2 Judgment Day over Terminator 1, it would be Terminator 2. Terminator 3 mm. fucking blows. All right? <laughs> That's stupid. Why the fuck would you even do that? Like, you just ruined a complete great, like, movie. Like, they ended it. It was like, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, oh, man, Judgment Day might not even happen. And then they come out with this, like, girl robot. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I'm just like, what the fuck? Why did you do this to a movie? Like, it, yeah, you get trapped in Mount. I guess I'm in charge now. It's like, fuck you, John Connor. <laughs> yeah. Best answer ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, yeah. it is. Terminator, Terminator 2, 2 over all of them. Predator over Terminator 1. Okay. Um, we got a couple of music ones here. Um, would you rather stick to your guns? No, sorry. Would you rather sick of it all or H2O? Ooh, man, because H2O was one of my H2O was one of my was one They're of like band. the bands that I like really, really got into that like was that transition from like ninety surf punk to like hardcore getting into yeah. Oh, man, and sick of it all is just so great. Man, I would. Ooh, I'm gonna skip. I'll pass. Okay. Pass. Equally pass. great. Just so good. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, this one might be difficult as well. Mad Ball or Agnostic Front? Um. Just. I. Man, that is a difficult one. <sighs> Shit. They're both so good. Um. Just for the reasons of getting into hardcore, I would go with Agnostic Front. And also just like personal time that we've spent. We spent more time with Agnostic Front and they've become like just these wonderful people that we know who are like just, you know, we've been on a couple tours with them. I would go with Agnostic Front. But Madball is just that energy in that that, that music is, is so great. Sa- same thing with Agnostic Front. So equal. Great, okay. equally great, yeah. Okay. But if like if there was a Madball show and an Agnostic Front show going on, which one would I go to? Is that kind of what you're asking? Yeah, you can go that way. Yeah, yeah. I would ask the promoters like, why the fuck do you need to combine these shows? <laughs> like, what the fuck Who booked this shit? Put them together. Yeah, what's your problem? 
Okay, we've got. I already got We've got three. We've got three left. Okay. When you're playing a show, do you prefer stage dives going on, or do you prefer mic grabs going on? Oh, what? A, what? Why couldn't the guy stage dive and grab the microphone at the same time? Well, he could, but he's got. It's got to have a good mic lead because he's going to rip it out of your hand and jump and yeah. hopefully not get to. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Stage dives. Stage dives are great. Sing-alongs are great too, but stage dives are fun. They got that element mm-hmm. of like danger. Yes. Yeah, it's it's fun. Um stage would you dive. prefer would you prefer to tour for the rest of your life or record for the rest of your life? Sure. I hate recording. I fucking hate recording. I'm in a box. And there you go. Do it again. More goofy. Do it again. More, <laughs> more beefy. beefy. Hey man, yeah, you, you gotta sound. You gotta sound a little bit more uh, deeper, angrier. Can you do that again? Can you do that again? Hey, yeah, fuck off, man. <laughs> I'd much, one time, I, playing a show one time. All right, yes. All right, cool. Hey man, you kind of fucked up there. All right, cool. Well, I'm going to the next show. I'll try to get it better that time. Yeah, way. I'd much rather, but. You can't have one without the other. You have mm-hmm. to record to be able to tour. We, I, I think so. Yeah, I don't know. We haven't a new recording in like seven years now. So yeah, we'll see how, we'll see how that theory like holds up. But yeah, I'd much rather play shows than record. Yeah. Um, last one. If you've got your all-time favorite album, would you rather have it on vinyl, CD, or on your phone? vinyl and here's why so the apocalypse comes you can do like that mr wizard trick it just kind of like put the pencil <laughs> spin it around a little needle with a fucking paper taped around it and just listen to it yeah it's got to be on vinyl just because yeah. of the apocalypse it's i mean that the apocalypse is gonna happen yeah, yeah, yeah. Someday we're all gonna yeah. we're all gonna be Mad Max around, and like the only thing that's good, like you can't, have, you're not gonna have the internet, and like yeah, it's gonna be my phone. Like, what if I don't have any power to charge my phone? And CDs are obsolete. Like, you're, you're, there's yeah. no way I'm gonna be able to figure out that technology of how to play a CD. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna go be hunting in the grocery stores like fighting off zombies or some shit to find some batteries to put in like my fucking boom box to play a fucking <laughs> CD. No, vinyl. Yeah, but you gotta but you gotta find that boom box. That's a problem. Nobody owns a boom box anymore. No one even owns a boom I don't even I have no friends that own a, a CD player. The mm-hmm. only CD players that you will ever find is in a car that has been made in like 2010. Yeah. Yeah, because they're phasing them out. They're not in cars anymore. No, I don't even. I mean, now I have a CD player in my car. Yeah, but like if, if a car, yeah. yeah. See, if your car is made from like 2016 onwards, you won't have a CD player. It's just Bluetooth or like Wi-Fi yeah. connect. Yes. They don't want you to listen to CDs anymore. They don't yeah. want you to. No. They're they're as old as uh, outdated technology. They're like uh, tapes or um, what's that? Eight. eight what's eight track? Yeah. Yeah. Eight track. Yeah. You get yeah, or VHS. 
Yeah. VHS. That was the thing. Yeah. What's funny is that people still like, they're like collectors of VHS. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why either. I'll just go on Amazon and buy it. It's in HD. <laughs> it cost me two dollars. I didn't have to go buy a fifteen dollar VHS no. player off of uh, something that yeah. you hope that you hope works. And that's the same with people now that they want they want to try and get the the album on cassette. And I'm like, D- you obviously didn't grow up when you had cassettes because cassettes were shit. Yeah, they were horrible. You just Changing had to sides. Guess. You're like fast forward. Like, I don't even like this song. Like, fast forward. There was yeah, that's worse. It was than horrible because a vinyl. You'd be like, "There's the groove." I don't even like this song. You pick the song, tape. You're just like two minutes and forty seconds. All right, you got to do like some kind of math equation. You're like, all right, they fast forward at this speed, and okay, no, nah. it was yeah. horrible. But cassettes, horrible. yeah, which is weird. I don't understand. Like, like. Nowadays, people like cassettes. Yeah, there's collectors of them. They want they want bands to release singles or EPs or albums on a cassette because they collect them. Yeah. Um, no, I also remember. Do you remember getting a tape jammed in the machine and then it chewed up the tape? Yeah. Or it you pull it out and it's just stuck in there. Oh, it was horrible. It was worst experience. Like it was. It was bad enough having a discman that skipped. When you, as soon as you started walking with your discman, it would go skip, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, oh, great." Yeah, um, balance it, <laughs> Andrew. Um, you're an absolute legend, man. I really, really appreciate this, man. Thank Thanks, you so man. much. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm terrible at uh, giving interviews, by the way. <laughs> Thank no, you. no, I think yeah. I think you were great, man. It was fun. It was relaxed. Um, spoke about a lot of exciting things um i really enjoyed it i'm right. thankful right on um cool just gotta say again i really really appreciate it man as as a big time fan um meant a lot thank you brother oh thank you yeah i appreciate it all right have a good night you too i'll speak to you soon
So that was my chat with Andrew of Evergreen Terrace. At the end there, you heard the band's track, New Friend Request, which is from their album, Sincerity is an Easy Disguise in This Business. You also heard their track, High Tide or No Tide, which is from the album, Wolf Biker. And the final track you heard there was, When You're Born in the Gutter, You End Up in the Port, which is from their most recent album, Dead Horses. So this is that part of the show where I spark that little bit inside you to go into Evergreen Terrace's discography and discover it, enjoy it, get into it. It's also that part of the show where I spark that interest into you to support the band and the people that have been on the show. So whether you know Evergreen Terrace or not, spend this week cranking their music a bit. You know, if you enjoyed the songs, if you enjoyed the conversation, Go onto your streaming or downloading service and give it a spin. Alternatively, if you like physical stuff, you can find it on eBay. I'm sure you can also find it on somewhere like Merch Now as well. The other thing is, if you live somewhere where Evergreen Terrace are touring or playing, make sure you get out and show Andrew and the boys some love. Also got to take this moment to thank Andrew again. Much love, much respect, much appreciated, dude. 
Stoked to have you on the show and hopefully have some new music from you soon. And also, fingers crossed, we see you in Australia soon. And that's it. That's the Mosh Zone episode 92 done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget... You can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.